again, everyone. Welcome to the Silver Bullets podcast. I'm Michael Citro. Matt Chipmanick. Chip, we've uh, we've seen the Buckeyes' first big test of the season, and Ohio State passed barely, but uh, a 17-14 win on the road in the big environment at night uh, in uh, South Bend, Indiana, over Notre Dame fighting Irish. Quite a game. Quite a game indeed. It definitely reminded me of a lot of the uh, 2002 national championship season where games came down to the, you know, to the final, final minutes uh, and Ohio state was able to pull it out. Like you said, uh, Ohio state passed the test. I mean, just barely, but I, I thought if anything, this was the kind of game that we'll see if uh, we'll pay positive dividends for Ohio state as they get closer to big 10 play. They've got a bye week uh, but this was a, a really big test on the road against a really good Notre Dame team. We certainly hope they're a really good Notre Dame team, because if they're not, I, that doesn't say very nice things about Ohio State having uh, barely escaped South Bend with a win. Uh, both teams left some points on the field in this game. Um, they they turned down some field goals to go for first downs they didn't get. And I think that in the end, this game could have gone a lot of different ways if some decisions had been made differently. And uh, one guy I think who really benefited from this type of game and the way it concluded was Kyle McCord. Yeah, Kyle McCord, I wrote about this uh, for a a piece uh, that's on Land Grant Holy Land. Uh, You know, Kyle McCord, that final drive, and I know we're going to get to that in a little bit, but. Kyle McCord, this was the kind of game that I think anyone who ever fantasized about leading their team down the field in the final minutes. I mean, he definitely, when he was needed the most, he really stepped up in a big way. And I think his performance, I mean, it wasn't, I mean, he didn't throw any touchdown passes. Uh, He didn't, you know, wasn't spectacular. He was cool, calm, collected when Ohio State needed him to be all of those and above at the at the most critical time. Yeah, Kyle McCord grew into this game chip for me. He uh, he he started off a little jittery, uh airmailed some throws, made some I don't think he was seeing the field particularly well in the first half. He he made some decisions that were a little curious, uh missed his check down a couple times to try to escape the the pocket when he had somebody open in the flat. Uh and and it it wasn't it wasn't looking very crisp and sharp for Kyle McCord, but I think in the second half he found a little bit of rhythm and relaxed a little more. Yeah, I think, and again, let's give credit to, to Notre Dame. I think the strength of that team is on the defensive side. I mean, for all of the, all of the, I mean, they, they being the NBC announcers continually talking about how, you know, Sam Hartman, you know, like how experienced, you know, he was and all of that. And and he is, uh, you know, six years of playing college football will definitely get you the, the proper adjective of, of, of experience. Um, I think the fact that Kyle McCord making his fifth start, the first one on the road in a, no disrespect to Indiana, in a truly hostile environment against a quality team. Like you said, I think he, he grew, he was jittery. I, I agree with that, with that term. Uh, and he, he settled into, and like I said, took a major step forward with his performance in the second half. In the first half, it seemed Ohio State, um, well, the starting drive right from the beginning, there were 
there were issues, but they they were they moved the ball a little bit and then it stalled. There were some penalties in this game again on the offensive line that you'd like to see cleaned up. I don't know if that's something that will get fixed throughout the year. I know there are some years where there's a lot in the beginning and then they kind of figure it out and and get it situated. And then there's other years where it just continues to be a problem all season long, some false starts and things like that. Uh, but in the end, Ohio State comes out on their first drive. They end up not scoring. In fact, nobody scored in the first half. Notre Dame had some good drives in the first half, but they bogged down on fourth down tries that uh, that they weren't able to convert uh, some some really big plays in this game. Uh, Cody Simon made one that was a, initially uh, ruled a first down. And then uh, that when they went back and took a look at where the ball was, when uh, Sam Hartman stepped out, it was, it was short of the line to make. There were some really, I mean, this really was a game of inches in terms of, you know, a few inches here or there, especially on the last Ohio state offensive play could have, could have changed the outcome entirely. Oh, absolutely. I mean, like the, the defense, uh, you know, thinking about like in the first half, the way I saw it is the defense was definitely in a lot of bend, but not break situations. Like you said, I think Notre Dame uh, in hindsight, uh, I, I mean, they, they missed a field goal. Uh, there were, there were opportunities that Notre Dame squandered and Ohio state was fortunate not to be down. Uh, and like you, what you just referenced at, you know, Cody Simon, uh, did just enough. I mean, just barely enough uh, to keep Sam Hartman uh, from converting uh, a fourth down play. Uh, you know, the fact that that Sam Hartman had the ball in the wrong hand, which was just enough for Ohio State when when they when they looked at the the replay that or, or the, that they did not have the the proper yardage. So it was. There were some moments here where it could have. I mean. Better decisions, better plays could have could have swung the game um, for Notre Dame. Uh, but fortunately for Ohio State, they came out on top. Yeah, that's uh, that's what you got to do. And winning the if you can win the close ones, um, that that's probably a good way to build up your football team for if you're in that situation later. Exactly, exactly. Well, that's why you know the way that you refer to it as as the test, and that was kind of even before. Uh, the season began, I kind of looked at this game was going to be a true barometer test for, for Ohio state, because let's face it. I mean, that Notre Dame, uh, they wanted to run the ball. I know that there were a lot of anxious moments, especially in the second half. And that's going to be something that Ohio state needs to figure out because as they have a bye week this week, uh, going into October, I mean, there are some opponents like Penn State uh, at Wisconsin, which is going to be another very difficult road environment. Um, And obviously Michigan, um, another road uh, road game, another, you know, very talented team. They are going to look at, all right, this is what Notre Dame did well and what Notre Dame should have, should have kept doing. And they're, and those kind of opponents are going to try to do the same thing against Ohio State when their opportunity presents itself. Exactly. And, and that's, that's why you look at the game film and you try to figure out how to fix what's, what didn't work for you. I, I think some of, somewhat this had a game plan written all over it. Jim Knowles' game plan seemed to be make sure you don't give up the big play over the top, keep everything short and in front of you, and go make the tackles. I think he probably expected his defensive line to and linebackers to hold up a little bit better against the run than they did. Uh, they 
they came out. Uh, I mean, first of all, Ohio State came out. They they went eight plays, twenty eight yards. Uh, the the drive bogged down after a, a Josh Fryer false start, uh, and that was not the only or or the uh, or the most egregious um, issue that Josh Fryer had in this game. We'll talk more about his other penalty later. Uh, and then Notre Dame took over and and went a long way. They went fourteen plays, seventy one yards, ate up eight minutes of the clock. They had a lot of these long, uh, time-consuming drives to try to wear down Ohio State's front. And I think that was successful because I th- I thought in the second half, Ohio State's defensive front uh, did not hold up well against the run as it had in the first half. It Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, we talked about that on previous podcasts, is that a commitment to the running game is going to now eventually you're going to wear down the opposition uh, that, you know, the idea of, all right, some of these, some of these runs that you have in the, in the first half that maybe you're not, you're not breaking long runs, but if you keep at it, that as time goes by, you're going to wear down the opposing defensive line. And that's kind of what you saw in the second half by Ohio state, that the Ohio state defense was getting worn down by the Notre Dame offensive line. Yeah, so the the first Notre Dame drive was was in scoring range, and it it uh, ended with that Cody Simon uh, stop just short. It was initially ruled a first down. They overturned it after looking at it on replay, and uh, Ohio State took over on downs. And Ohio State went three and out, which is not what you want to do when your defense has been out there for eight minutes. But that's exactly what happened. It was um, a very formulaic offense in this game uh it seemed to be a lot of Travion Henderson on first down Travion Henderson a second down throw a pass on third down it was not um it was not effective on this particular down uh set of downs this third uh, possession of the game or the second Ohio State possession that's the one where Kyle McCord tried to scramble for four yards and uh, only got two he had a Mecca Buka wide open in the flat as his check down Egbuka um, had uh, lined up in the backfield for that play. And he uh, did not look at his back uh, at his check down when the, uh, when the pressure started to mount and instead tried to escape the pocket and, and pick it up himself. Didn't work. Uh, you'd like to see him, you know, maybe check down and, and he's a quarterback who has not shied away from checking down in, in previous games. So that was a little curious, but again, big moment, big stage. Um, tough environment. Uh, he got better as the as the game went on. Notre Dame then took over, and their uh, their second possession lasted into the second quarter. We have no score after one. Chip. Yeah, it, and this was kind of what I had anticipated. Um, not necessarily no score, but you know, like this kind of all right. It's going to be uh, Ohio State having you know to to figure out what they can do against a, a very, I, I'm just going to say, uh, you know, up until the latter portion of a very, very stout Notre Dame defense, mm-hmm. um, you know, that they had to, you know, they knew that they were, they, you know, you're playing under the lights, uh, uh, a, a well-liquefied crowd um, <laughs> after having a, having a, a game, um, you know, like all day to prepare uh, that, all right, you're, you're facing a hostile crowd. Um, you're, you're going against a good defense and it wasn't, I wasn't anticipating that that the Ohio state passing game was going to be, uh, you know, very successful. I know that a lot of, you know, especially on social media, people were, were getting irate about, you know, Marvin Harrison, you know, why aren't they, why aren't they throwing to Marvin Harrison? Well, 
newsflash, Marvin Harrison is pretty good at football and Notre Dame had seen how good he was and they were going to do what they could bracketing him, you know, double covering Marvin Harrison. So yeah, I mean, Kyle McCord, I'm sure would have loved to have been more, you know, been able to, to throw at Marvin Harrison a little bit more than he did um, initially. Uh, and, but unfortunately he had to go for his checkdowns, which, you know, Cade Stover would be one of them. I know he's not the big play threat that Marvin Harrison Jr. is, but that's part of the reason why Cade Stover, you know, like he would he would find the checkdown in Cade Stover, mm-hmm. like you said a moment ago. Um, it's unfortunate that he didn't find the Mecca Buka in that checkdown that would have resulted in a first down. Yeah, Kyle McCord had a, a, an interesting day in terms of the, the Cade Stover of it all because he did check down nicely to him a few times. And then there were plays where it just seemed he was locked in on Stover to begin with and was hell-bent on throwing it. Even he had one throw down the field that almost got intercepted that was into double coverage. Kate Stover was never open on that play. So uh, maybe that was another uh, instance of just taking the first read and just trying to force something that has worked in the past, but it, it wasn't there on that particular play. So we go to the second quarter, Chip. And at this point, Hartman was 9 of 10 passing. Everything was short and underneath. Uh, they were willing to find the soft spots in the zone right right at the uh, at the sticks, which was frustrating because every time Notre Dame would get in third down, they would pick up the first down by like a yard. Right, and that's when I mean, kind of the the doom and gloom naturally um, that of if Ohio State can't get pressure on Sam Hartman, there th- this game is is. is over because like you said, Notre Dame was committed to running the ball. And granted, they weren't having big success in the first half as of yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like Audric Estime, um, I, you know, even though he wound up with for the for the for the game with with 70 yards, like he never really, you know, had the kind of game that he had been having against previous Notre Dame opponents. But yeah, Sam Hartman was extremely efficient in the first half. And that's when you saw that Jim Knowles started to adjust the pressure scheme with bringing the linebackers to try and if not necessarily get a sack to what we've talked about before, that sometimes just making that quarterback throw the ball, you know, a a second or two sooner than, than he wants, that is, is almost as good as getting a sack. Yeah, it was, there was no pressure in the first half on, uh, on Sam Hartman and, I have to say, I'm extremely disappointed in Jack Sawyer's game. I, I didn't think Jack Sawyer affected this game at all. I think J, JT Tui Molowell had some effect, but most of it late. Like He had a few plays here and there where he flashed, but I was a little down on the defensive ends in this game. Oh, yeah, I would agree. Um, yeah, we'll talk about JT. I mean, his impact was definitely at the end, and, and he had a big impact um, now, at the th- end. That said, Notre Dame's tackles are the strength of their offensive line. so. That's correct. That's correct. And but if anything, I would I would quickly add that all right, if Jack Sawyer and JT Tui Molowau are being neutralized by good offensive tackles, what do you think they will be facing in the NFL? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like that's you know what I'm, you know what I mean? So if anything, that should temper if again, I I would kind of make the argument that um you know, when it comes to like NFL draft projections, all right, maybe, you know, maybe you're not as ready for the NFL as you think. 
Um, because if you're not, if you're not causing, um, you know, the opposing offensive tackle to have, you know, some rough moments, maybe you're not as NFL ready as, as you believe that you are, you know, I know that the recruiting ranking said something, but Mm -hmm. guess what? Um, we aren't, we're not seeing it on the field. Yeah. It's not translating. And, and there were, I thought a number of missed tackles by Jack Sawyer in the hole where if he makes the tackle, it's no gain to one yard, but he doesn't make it, and it's three to five yards in the run game. So, um, for me, he didn't have he didn't have the best uh, night for Ohio State. Uh, that drive that uh, drive that lasted into the second quarter reached the OSU twenty nine yard line, and then Schrader's field goal from forty seven yards was no good. It, it started off looking like it was going to be just inside the upright, but then it tailed badly and didn't even come close. Yeah, I mean that's and. You know, just kind of, you know, when we talk about the second half, um, the way that it wound up, you know, we all know what the final score was. Think about it. You know, like mm-hmm. those three points, those three points did prove to be, you know, very important in the long run. Yeah. So Ohio State went on its best drive uh, of the half uh, after that uh, or gets all the way down to first and goal at the seven gets to the one after a couple of passes or uh, I'm sorry, a couple of uh, chip tray and runs. And after the second down where he gets, got to the one yard line chip, I saw him leave the field and I just immediately hung my head. I'm like, this is a guy who's, who's having some effect on the game. He had some good runs on this drive and he's one yard away. He's helped you get to the one yard line and you take him out. I have always hated when a coach has taken out a player who's helped his team get down in, you know, to scoring position, they take him out and they bring in a, a very odd um, package that I don't think we've seen before. You can correct me if I'm wrong. It looked like Caden Curry lined up as a fullback um, with Mayan Williams behind him. There were no, there was no Marvin Harrison, no Emeka Buka on the field. It became extremely obvious what the play call was and Notre Dame stuffed it. And uh, then they lined up to go for it on fourth down, and then they thought they'd be all sneaky. Again, no receivers, uh, neither of your two receivers, so nobody has to respect that. So they know there's only a couple guys that can go out and catch a pass. So as long as they play fundamentally sound and read run first, but also make sure those couple of receivers are covered, there's it's very difficult to score. They did that, and McCourt's attempted pass to Cade Stover was uh, he was well covered and and it was incomplete. So Ohio state's drive ends at the one yard line. And again, Ryan day made it a point to go absolutely bonkers after the game about how tough his football team is and how much he believes in their toughness. And in this game, he did not show that belief. I agree with you. There's no correction. You asked me if, if correct you, if you're wrong, you're not, there's no correction necessary. Um, we, so I wrote about, I, again, I wrote about this in, in my article. Um, and I have no doubt that you will in your, your grumpy old Buckeye article. Um, the, in my opinion, okay, you have fourth and one at the one and yeah, you know, Ryan day for all of the, you know, and we'll talk, I have no doubt. We'll talk about that, um, about his, um, emotional outburst after after the game that all right I, let's not let's not over complicate this okay you have like you said you know like let's let's keep the running back who is a physical uh, you know style of runner and chip train him on the field um let's have him blasted in better yet 
let's our six foot three quarterback who, yeah, he's not the most mobile guy, but I think he can get you a yard. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and let's not overcomplicate this, uh, you know, and, and instead, you know, trying to, like you said, you know, bringing in Caden Curry as the blocker that, uh, you know, where that, where that logic came from, you know, because like you said, everyone pretty much knew what was going to happen. And Mayan Williams was a non-factor. It, like I said, I, I just think it was just, uh, you know, like, I'm sure you've heard the expression over analysis leads to paralysis. Mm-hmm. And that's basically what, you know, Ohio State came away with nothing when they when they should have been able to score from the one yard line. The previous rule in football was that you could not push or assist a runner mm-hmm. uh, from behind. Um, you can do that now. And every mm-hmm. team seems to have this play where they line up a bunch of big guys in the backfield. Quarterback sneaks it and everybody from behind him just runs into the pile and pushes everything forward. That's an easy way to get a yard. I mean, some teams have like literally never failed at that play and, and Ohio state doesn't seem to want to run that play. Uh, I don't, I don't get it. McCord's big and strong. You got big, strong guys. You can put behind them and and push the pile forward. I, I don't get why they never use that play. It's extremely difficult to stop. But um, they did not. And uh, so the drive stalled. We stay 0-0. And uh, Notre Dame then uh, has a very short drive, five plays. uh, And then Ohio State takes over uh, at their 21. And finally, Chip, we have points in this game as the Buckeyes go downfield. And uh, it was 12 plays, 66 yards. They end up kicking uh, Jaden Fielding field goal or is it felding they keep pronouncing it felding but it looks like it's fielding to me i i yeah i i would unless unless we are mistaken it does look like fielding and mm-hmm. and it's being pronounced as felding so all right i guess this is you know like let's send them the, the bat signal to to jaden uh you know please let the college football world know what is the appropriate pronunciation of your last name yeah, because what you know, like you know, we're tr- we're just trying to we're just trying to to do it right. Yep. So they reached the 13 yard line before it stalled on fourth and eight, and they kicked the uh, 31 yard field goal to take a three nothing lead. And um, this was a tough one because uh, Emeka Buka had a drop uh, in this. Uh, I, I believe this was the, uh, the yeah, this was the one where he he they originally called it a touchdown. Turned out he dropped the ball in the back of the end zone, uncharacteristic drop. And for a long time in the second half, that was a big looking drop because it took four points off the board. And that was exactly what Notre Dame was leading by late in the fourth quarter. Right. I mean, again, just the, the mistakes that, you know, Ohio state and yeah, like you, like you, the way you referred to it a moment ago, uncharacteristic drop. Um, because yeah. Omeka Ibuka was was clutch for Ohio mm-hmm. State uh in a lot of other ways. Uh but at that, you know, for him to have a drop that looked like it was going to have a dramatic impact on on the game's outcome. Yeah, it really did. And and that was one of McCord's better throws of the of the first half. And Ibuka was open, but he just couldn't pull it in at the before he went over the end line. He he dropped it as he went to ground and uh, so three nothing Ohio State. Uh, they kicked off, but then a kneel down, and we go to the half. Three nothing chip. We uh, we did not anticipate that low scoring of a first half. No, we didn't. Um, I mentioned earlier that I anticipated that it was going to be a, a 
a tough game. I certainly wouldn't have anticipated just, you know, like a three, nothing half, but it, if anything, it, it spoke to, I think both defenses doing what they needed to do um, at opportune times to, to keep each other out of the end zone. So the fact that Ohio state had the lead at that point, you know, had me feeling, okay, this is just, this is going to be a pretty intense battle all throughout. Yeah, for sure. All right, Chip, we'll get into the second half where uh, all the touchdowns were scored. And uh, we, of course, uh, we'll, we'll check back on our score predictions and our picks to click, and we'll get to our walk around the other scores in the Big Ten. We're going to do all of that right after this. Chip, we are back, and Notre Dame received the second half kickoff because they won the toss and deferred. So uh, we've We've been seeing a lot of Ohio State getting the ball first this year. Well, Ryan Day, I think with the new clock rules, he had kind of referred to um, possibly even if they had won the toss, like you said, Notre Dame deferred. Um, but maybe, you know, like kind of adjusting the philosophy of, all right, let's get the ball and let's get some points on the board. Obviously, they were not successful in this game doing that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I can understand Notre Dame with Marcus Freeman being a Jim Trussell disciple, you know, that, you know, kind of mindset of deferring and getting the ball for the second half. Yeah. Notre Dame marched down the field into Ohio state territory on their first drive. Of the second half got all the way to the 39 chip and then, uh, faced a fourth and one and, uh, went for the quarterback sneak. Not the kind where you push the guy forward, but Sam Hartman just tried to run it up behind his big offensive line. Um, I believe it was, I believe it was Tommy Eichenberg that came over the top and forced him to go left. And once he did that and bounced it, Sonny Styles and Lathan Ransom made a fantastic play to stop him short and Ohio state took over. Yeah, both. I mean, I just said a moment ago, the, the, the defense had their moments. This was one of them. The fact that Sonny Styles, Lathan Ransom, I mean, through, I mean, it, w- it wasn't even close, uh, you know, for for Sam Hartman. And, and again, he's not very mobile to begin with, um, you know, so the fact that Ohio State was able to snuff that out, I thought that was just a major, major boost psychologically. Yeah, big play in the game. Again, the defense at times in this game looked like they were getting pushed around, but at, at times they came up with big plays. And, uh, and certainly on that fourth down play, they did. And Ohio State wasted no time in, in paying that off as, uh, Travion Henderson hit the hole hard and fast and went 61 yards to the end zone for the game's first touchdown to make it 10, nothing. And unfortunately for Ohio state, um, kind of almost like a Pyrrhic victory at that point, because uh, Marvin Harrison, who was doing a a solid job blocking um, and it wasn't, you know, malicious. It wasn't anything that intentional by Notre Dame, you know, it had his ankle rolled up and I think, just psychologically, that's when, you know, I think every Ohio State fan were, you know, we're just kind of collectively thinking, not again. You know, yeah. like the, our, our best wide receiver getting hurt against Notre Dame, you know, two years in a row. Like, what are the odds of that? Yeah, it's <laughs> Marvin Harrison did uh, have a key block on that run on the outside. And um, he was a victim of Travion Henderson's speed and ability to break the tackle because the guy coming in to make the play from the other side whiffed and went right through and uh, and rolled up on the back of Marvin Harrison's uh, ankle. Uh, he had to be helped off the field, uh, but he did manage to tape it up and come back in. Not sure how 
much, uh, you know, what percent he was at, but he certainly wasn't at a hundred percent, but it was at least good to see him back out there. Absolutely. And considering, I mean, he, he not only came back in the, the reports were that post game, uh, that his ankle, that he had a very large bag of ice on his, on his ankle, uh, you know, for the bus ride or the you know trip home. Mm-hmm. Um, and the fact that Ohio state has a bye week and I'm sure this coming, this coming week, uh, that he'll be, you know, heavily scrutinized by the, by the medical team in terms of making sure that they rehab and, uh, treat it properly, you know, so that he can contribute, uh, for the remainder of the season. Yeah, for sure. Hopefully he'll be, he'll be able to go in two weeks as he went the rest of this game. Um, once he came back on the field, but, uh, 10, nothing Ohio state, uh, the defense gave the touchdown right back on the next drive as, uh, Notre Dame's marched right down the field. And that's where they really started to, to run well up the middle. They, uh, they had some, some rushes for they had a 16 yarder and 18 yarder and again there were there were guys missing at the line of scrimmage there were the linebackers were filling the holes but getting blocked um or even taking the wrong hole so it, it was a it was a tough drive to watch because it was just methodical it just they were looked like they were getting pushed around and uh in the end uh pain goes up the middle one yard for the final yard uh, and makes it 10-7. So, you know, nobody could score a touchdown, and then all of a sudden, everybody's scoring a touchdown. Yeah, and credit to Notre Dame for, like we, we've talked about before, they they stuck with their running game, and they were starting to have success, kind of what, you know, we were concerned about. Uh, I mentioned Audric Estime. You know, they, they also involved other running backs like uh, Jeremiah Love, and you just mentioned Gibran, Gibran Payne and mm-hmm. Devin Ford. I mean, they were they were not afraid to rotate in backs. Now, sometimes they had varying degrees of success. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Payne was, you know, for example, with that touchdown run, you know, like out of the Wildcat formation. But uh, Notre Dame, they certainly were committed to the run and they were starting to have success against Ohio State in that third quarter. Yeah, it was. I always think it's it's interesting because some backs, some running back rooms adapt well to the running back by committee. Others, not so much. I, I thought in years past when Ohio State mixed it up, nobody got into a rhythm. And I, I felt like um, Notre Dame handled it a little better. But I still think, and I'm glad they didn't do it, I still think if they had given a, a steady diet of Estime, I think Notre Dame would have had more success. Yeah, I mean, because at, at the at the in the first half, Estime really had not been able to get anything going. And then in the second half, he started to kind of heat up, so to speak. So I agree with you. I think maybe by overdoing the, the running back by, by committee, it might have hurt Notre Dame. Yeah, and another long drive for Notre Dame, 13 plays, seven and a half minutes, uh, really starting to wear down that defensive front. You started to see... Um, Ohio State try to rotate more, but honestly, Chip, when when Mike Hall and Tyleek Williams are not on the field, the defense gets pushed around more. Oh, absolutely. That's where the the valid criticism of Larry Johnson Jr. Uh, senior, excuse me, uh, Larry Johnson Senior. comes in because yeah, you want to rotate your defensive line, keep them fresh, but you could see. And it, it sounds sounds harsh, but when when you did not have Tyreek Williams and and maybe 
you know, maybe it's just me, but I thought this probably was Tyreek Williams' best game. He was great. Um, you know, in terms of and Michael Hall, you know, wasn't as as much of a factor as he was last year, but he's still, like you said, I think their presence in the interior of the defensive line. This is one of those things that with film study, the bye week, all right, what can we do to all right to recognize the fact that teams are being successful against us when we when we take out Williams and Hall on the defensive line because you're not going to be able to do that with some of the opponents we talked about that are that are coming up in October and November. Yeah. So Ohio State takes uh, over after it's uh, 10-7 and goes on what I'm calling my least favorite possession of the game. <laughs> uh, this was a possession where um, Ohio State quickly gets to midfield. Um, McCord throws a pass for Marvin Harrison Jr. from the Notre Dame 40 that would have been a touchdown had he not been grabbed from behind. And his, I mean, one of those holds where the jersey stretched out, it noticeably slows him down. Harrison still got a hand to the ball, but it wasn't enough to bring it in. But if without that hold, he not only catches the ball, but scores a touchdown. And that one went uncalled. And, and with some of the other holds that they did call and some of the other stuff that they uh, were paying attention to, the referees, that is, I felt that was an egregious miss, uh, missed call. Um, and it, it uh, also, I, I think that maybe had Harrison had a little more explosion in that ankle, it's it probably would have nullified the tug anyway. Right. It, it, that's kind of when, you know, you started to, to wonder, all right, well, how effective is he, you know, Marvin Harrison with, with that ankle being so heavily taped and obviously he's, he's not at full strength. And I mean, we, we joke about it, but uh, for the first few weeks of the season, Ryan day has been receiving uh, messages from the big 10 officiating office oh you know we we're sorry this should have been called or this should not have been called so mm -hmm. it does make you wonder if, if they, if they were going to say yeah they should have called pass interference on that play yeah I, I mean at least a defensive hold uh because it should have at least been a first down because it prevented a touchdown that penalty prevented a touchdown um and then uh, a really clutch throw by kyle mccord on third and nine to a buka for 11 yards down to the notre dame 28 got wiped out on a ridiculous penalty by Josh Fryer. We mentioned him earlier. Um, he, you know, he just guys laying on the ground, his former teammate laying on the ground. He just goes and jumps on him. Yeah. He, that 15 yeah. yard unnecessary roughness penalty wipes out the first down with Ohio state back in, in at least field goal range. And, uh, and then they, the, the drive stalls, they go to, to Stover on, on third and 24 for 13 yards, not close enough. And they end up having to punt. Yeah, I'm sure that that'll be something that Josh Fryer will have to <laughs> to make amends during the during the film study because there there's a big difference between finishing your block and like you said, and it was a, a egregious mistake that truly cost Ohio State. Um, you know, he already had Javante Jean Baptiste on the ground. He did, had no need to you know drive him into the turf mm -hmm. like he did. Yeah. It, just a ridiculous uh, mistake on Josh Fryer's part. No need for it, and thus the thus the unnecessary part of the unnecessary roughness. And uh, it wrecked a drive, and it, it made things even worse because then Notre Dame drove down and took the lead on the next drive. And and this one chip was the Davison Igbenosen drive. Yeah, Davison. I I mentioned this before. Davison Igbenosen. I like 
he's he's aggressive, he's intense. We, they just got to ratchet it back a little bit. I don't know. I, I I realize I'm I'm probably it sounds like I'm being wishy washy on this, but his somewhat over aggressive tendencies really hurt him on the on this particular drive. Yeah, he uh, he got away with the first one. Uh, it was I think it was good coverage. I I'm okay with them not throwing the flag on that one, but I certainly could see them throwing the flag on it. Uh, he broke up a a pass that was intended for Rico Flores. Uh, and and uh, and did a nice job on it. Had good coverage, uh, but later in the drive, he got nailed for a defensive hold, which was a pretty obvious defensive hold. He was complaining about the call afterwards, or maybe he was complaining about something that his receiver did. But uh, he gave them a first down on that drive via penalty. And then when they got down to the goal line chip, he he just flat out fell down at the goal line and, and gave Flores an easy touchdown for Notre Dame to take the lead. Right. Uh, it was not, it was not his best showing. Um, I also believe, I'm, I'm sure you've heard the, the old adage that cornerbacks have to have a short memory. Mm-hmm. Um, the, you know, the fact that, uh, you know, he had a, he had a rough series of, of plays and that's the kind of thing where the film study this week will, I'm, I, I have no doubt that the, the coaches will point out what he did incorrectly. And again, the, these are teachable moments because as Ohio state gets into big 10 play starting in October, um, they're going to need Davis and Igbenosa playing at his best. Yeah. So uh, 14, 10 Notre Dame at that point, a 96 yard drive after a great punt by Jesse Murko was downed uh, deep in uh, in Notre Dame territory. Ohio state got the kickoff and Went right down the field. We're marching. They got down to the Notre Dame 11 yard line, but down four points. They had a fourth and one and decided not to kick uh, the field goal. Uh, Travion Henderson was the third down back on third and one. Not again, not Mayan Williams, not Trip, Chip Tranum, and he didn't pick up the one yard. And Ohio State lined up in this weird thing like they were trying to draw Notre Dame offside to get the first down. And then they called a timeout as the ball was snapped. So I don't think they were trying to dry, draw, just draw them offside because they actually called the timeout and you saw the ball get snapped. So I don't know what was originally called, but Ryan Day calls a timeout there and the play he comes back with, Chip, is inexcusable. He runs a jet sweep on fourth and one. The guy who went on the tirade after the game about how tough it, his football team is did not man up and call a run play. Uh, you know, a standard straight ahead run play and let his team go out and prove their toughness. He, he tried to trick Notre Dame with a jet sweep. Yeah. It, I, I like that term inexcusable. It was, it was completely perplexing uh, to that. That was, that's what you came up with. That's what, a fourth and one. That's what you came up with. And, and again, I think the, the fans would have been upset if Ohio state hadn't converted let's say if you know you had chip train him in and he got stuffed in the back okay i like i'm i have no doubt fans would have, but they would have been like okay well that's how you you know every the, the old thing about you know being able to to run the ball when everybody in the stadium knows you're going to do it i think people would have would have under would have understood it not necessarily been happy about it but would have understood it but yeah the running a jet sweep that lost you yardage you know that that was one of those things where 
kind of what I wrote about in my article that Ryan Day, I think, has to do some soul searching about, you know, you're you're overcomplicating this. Yeah. And Ibuka, I mean, he's been successful on the Jets week before, but in a fourth and one, that's not when you go to it. And he he's not the big, strong guy that's going to be able to push that defender a yard. It's like you could see Marvin, a healthy Marvin Harrison doing it or or Xavier Johnson, maybe. But the personnel and the play call, just absolutely perplexing. So Ohio State's drive stalls in uh, deep in Notre Dame territory uh, after a you know a good drive, and um, and Notre Dame takes over, and it, it, things kind of look bleak at this point. They did. I mean, at, at with about we're we've moved ahead to with about four minutes left in the contest um, after after. Agbuka um, was was thrown for a loss, and Notre Dame takes over. And this is, <laughs> I, I I I have to say this. I, I I've been taking shots um, about Ryan Day overthinking things. I'm sure that Notre Dame's offensive staff is is just kind of probably thinking like, what are what are we doing here? Like you know <laughs> when they because they. Everything that had been successful for them, they went away from in the last few minutes offensively. Yeah, talk about your your coaching malpractice. Uh, Ohio State has nothing on what Notre Dame did with their next drive because after Igbuka was stopped, Notre Dame immediately came out in the shotgun and threw a pass on first down. Now it was successful for a first down, uh, and then they then they had a run. Uh, but I don't understand what what the next call was is estimate gets a first down after the first down pass. Uh, so they've, they've immediately covered uh, like 23 yards on the, on two plays and they just have to, all they have to do is just keep the ball on the ground and they're probably going to run Ohio state out of timeouts and time and all of that. And then it looked like they called a screen pass and Hartman ended up getting tackled for a loss on the play by JT Tuimoloau and Davis and Igmanosin, and and that enabled Ohio State to use its second timeout with 2:28 left, and then they called another pass, and this one JT almost intercepted. I, I don't I, I, that first play may have been just like a quarterback sweep or something maybe, but it, it was perplexing because they they lost five yards and then they they end up passing saves Ohio State a timeout. And then Gibran, uh, Gibran Payne goes uh, for three yards on third down as Ohio State finally gets a, a defensive stop. And um, and then they end up having to punt the ball back. And Ohio State, I was I was livid at the time. Ohio State let the clock run rather than call their last timeout with about 2.15, 2.16 left after that play and didn't use it. Now, it, it, it worked out because they needed that. It turned out they needed that timeout later. But if they had had another 45, 50 seconds on the clock, they might not have had a, that problem anyway. Right. I mean, getting back to JT Tuimolo out this, uh, you know, we, we had to talk about, uh, you know, he wasn't much of a factor in the first half. Mm-hmm. He came up, he, he came up big um, right when Ohio, when Ohio state needed it. And let's, let's also, <laughs> uh, cast aspersions on the Notre Dame coaching staff for, like you said, you know, like malpractice. They, you know, the fact that 
they tried to run the screen with Sam Hartman and there was just, I don't know if there was just miscommunication or whatever, but JT, uh, a tackle for loss. Like you said, he almost came up with an interception uh, and Ohio State didn't have to use a timeout because of the incomplete pass. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, so it it was one of these things where, yeah, like the, the timeout management was not necessarily something that at the time that, I agreed with. I mean, it, it paid off. Yeah, yeah. For same. Ohio State, it paid off for Ohio State. But yeah, it was certainly one of these things where, yeah. I mean, I was wondering, you know, you know. Again, I think Notre Dame kind of really bailed them out with with their very questionable play calls. Yeah, I agree, and and I agree with everything you said. the The timeout situation was, I thought it was mismanaged at the time. It did end up working out. That doesn't mean it was the right decision by the team to do it that way uh, just because it worked out, but it did end up working out. So it didn't hurt them is, is I guess, the best way to look at it. Yes, I agree. Uh, so Ohio State does get the ball back with a minute 26 to play. And uh, Kyle, this is where Kyle McCord grew up in my eyes. He uh, had a couple of incompletions, but he made some really clutch third down passes. Uh, he com- he converted a third and 10 to Emeka Ibuka for 23 yards to get into Notre Dame territory. Uh, then he he took a shot uh, down the field, didn't work. Um, he hit a very short pass to Cade Stover, who was able to get out of bounds at least. And, uh, and then after an incomplete pass, he had a fourth down and seven, and he hit uh, Julian Fleming for seven yards, a very key first down that he barely got across the line to make. So uh, a big play there to keep the drive alive. Um, and a couple uh, a couple more passes. He got an incomplete pass to Stover. He completed one to Marvin Harrison uh, for 19 yards on second and 10. So, uh, so Marvin able to make – that was a, a good catch by Marvin. Um, they were able to get up and, and immediately uh, – get up to the line of scrimmage quickly because the clock stopped and everything. Uh, but they were, they then had a, a very difficult couple of plays an incomplete pass to Harrison. And then uh, under duress, McCord throws a pass while he's being pulled down and it flies out of bounds and they call him for intentional grounding, which is a tough call when someone's in the midst of throwing while they're being tackled. Um, there were receivers in that general area, but of course, with the with the tug, the ball didn't get end up getting anywhere near them. I was kind of unhappy about that call at the time. I, I understand why they called it, but um I think you got to take it into account when when someone is being pulled down, that pass is not going to go where they intended to. Right. I think I think the the reason the the way I, I kind of heard it was the fact that he was within the tackle box. Mm-hmm. So that's why like if he had been out of out of the tackle box and thrown the pass it probably wouldn't have been called, but it was the fact that he was inside the tackle box. Right. And to your, you know, like that, 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 you know, again, you know, the fact that he, I, I was amazed, quite frankly, he even got the, the ball out. Yeah. Um, it was a great because, play. By him. I mean, <laughs> you know, he was, he was being dragged down he was able to, I mean, even with it, get it, chuck it out of bounds. Um, the fact that he was able to do that, I thought was quite impressive. So third and 19 chip with just seconds on the clock. McCord makes his play of the season and finds uh, Emeka Ibuka down at the uh, the Notre Dame one-yard line. Um, amazing throw, great play by Emeka Ibuka, and, and it sets Ohio State up as they, they come up and spike the ball 
and they've got seven seconds to get two plays off. And give credit to, like you said, you know, this is this is where Tom Accord grew up. Uh, Emeka Ibuka was, when you talk about somebody being in the right place at the right time, I mean, you couldn't have, you couldn't have asked for a better script for the for the final seconds of this game. Yeah. So now first, uh, the second down play, he he tries to go to that play to Marvin Harrison. We've seen a bunch of times uh, and previously we've seen it to Alave and Garrett Wilson, where you just you throw it to the outside, out of bounds, where your guy's going to catch it or it's going to be incomplete as the guy just barely crosses the goal line and then and makes his cut toward the outside. It was incomplete, just a little too far outside. And uh, that that leaves you three seconds a winner-take-all play from the one-yard line. And I can't for the life of me, uh, never in a million years would I have thought that they would have called the play they did. It didn't matter if they ran the ball or passed the ball. But knowing Ryan Day and knowing what he had done previously in this game, I did not expect them to just go with a straight-ahead run. Now, it does help when Notre Dame only has 10 men on the field, uh, but the handoff was to Chip Tranum, who barely got in, uh, again, Javante Jean-Baptiste making the play um, almost kept him out, but uh, he kept his knee up off the turf until the ball crossed and Ohio State takes the lead. It looked like it was a walk off, but they did put one second back on the clock. I, it was just amazing. Uh, you know, the fact that, you know, at that moment, uh, you know, to to like you said, to line up after being unsuccessful on fourth and short previously and run the ball with the with the player that could have done this uh on those two previous occasions and you didn't uh that i i, I mean it was just again it, it really quick it very quickly brought back memories of the way ohio state would win in the finals moments um either offensively or defensively in the 2002 national championship season yeah so uh ohio state takes the lead one second left parker fleming's kickoff team why do you not just go onside kick here you're going to run the second off if it's an onside kick it's going to take a second uh he does this weird squib down the middle that that bounces to the left and out of bounds it gives gives notre dame a chance to run the lateral play they were not able to uh to successfully run that play as 99 percent of those things don't work and eventually hartman lateraled it forward and ohio state covered it the game was over and ohio state wins 17 14 and everybody could finally breathe again. And I certainly couldn't get to sleep right away. Um, you know, it was it was just one of those things where, you know, just the just the sheer energy of what we had been through in the final moments. I mean, I I was just couldn't believe what I had just seen. How how exhilarating of a victory that was. It was it was an intense game. Yeah, there were there was some adrenaline pumping. Uh, for the fandom after that. I, it took me a while to, to get to bed as well. All right, Chip, let's look at our score predictions. We were not close. Uh, we had 17-14 no. was your final. Uh, you had 31-28 Ohio State. I had 34-27 uh, Ohio State. Uh, so we were both just, I'm just going to chalk this up as nobody. We were both wrong, and we were both wrong in just about the same way. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, picks, picks to click. Uh, you had Cade Stover as your offensive pick to click. I'm going to say that Cade Stover had a pretty nice game. Well, thank you. Um, 
and we talked about it earlier that you know kind of like the idea of like the check down you know that's kind of that was my rationale going into it it was mm-hmm. that i just figured that notre dame was going to do what they could to prevent big plays and up until um the, the latter portion of the game you know i i think that they they were pretty successful with doing that yeah the uh stover had seven catches on 11 targets for 52 yards um so uh, I would say for an Ohio State tight end, that's a pretty good day. Uh, I had Marvin Harrison Jr. I would not say he clicked three catches on seven targets for 32 yards. Uh, he did make that big clutch catch on the on the drive that uh, led to the winning touchdown. Uh, but, it, of course, he was hurt. I, I like the package that they showed on NBC when they were coming back. And they were showing, well, there's nowhere for McCord to go to the ball, uh, go with the ball to Harrison because he's bracket coverage. And the first play they showed, he was wide open. He just went down <laughs> the left side, cut inside, and if if he's if the ball is out before he makes his cut, he's catching that ball for a first down. But because uh, it took the safety too long to get over, so uh, but the ball did not go his way that time. Um, it, it was interesting. Those uh, NBC is Notre Dame's home network, and it those those announcers sounded like it. Well, here's the reality: those were actually the Big Ten. Uh, announcers for NBC. It's um, crazy though. The, the, yeah, the um, you know Todd Blackledge um, and Noah Eagle um, are the Big Ten crew. Notre Dame's usual crew, I believe, is is Jason Garrett and and um, Jack Collinsworth. So mm-hmm. uh, they they were supplanted since. I mean, I don't know why. I mean, in fairness, because this actually should have been. You know, since it was a Notre Dame home game, you would have figured that they would have used the Notre Dame home announcers. But yeah, I, they they certainly left a lot to be desired. They really did it, and I expect better from Todd Blackledge. He's been doing this a long time. He's pretty good at his job usually. But uh, there did seem to be a, a little bit of a bias in in terms of the home team when they would say something like, "Oh, like like was Travion Henderson?" And, oh, there's absolutely no room to run on a three yard gain, and. um and on the other side, if it was estimate and they got a three yard run, it was like good yardage up the middle for three. You know, it's like it's the same thing. Uh, right. But uh, the, the most egregious thing was the the catch by Marvin Harrison that was ruled incomplete after initially being called um, a catch. And it was he was uh, he was interfered with on the play. So Ohio State got a first down anyway. But it n- neither of the announcers we're talking and, and even the, the referee that they brought in to talk, to talk about the play. None of them noticed that Marvin Harrison what? caught the ball and got his right foot down. I mean, yeah. wh- what are you doing? It's like, everybody's worried about the hand that came down out of bounds. The hand came down after the foot. And then they were talking about how the ball was loose when it hit the ground. And then they showed it from the front view. And there was like, well, if that ball's loose, it certainly doesn't look loose to me. I mean, it, it took them till what maybe the fourth quarter before they brought that up. Right. Yeah. I, I, I'm. That's going to be one of those where I'm kind of curious what the Big Ten officiating office. <laughs> oh, by the way, you know that catch that we, you know, that we said wasn't a catch should have been, and you know, I, I just again just didn't seem to make any any sense. And it's a Big Ten crew. You definitely can't say that they were biased toward Ohio State right. this game. Right. Uh, because that was a big play, and I, I didn't see any way to overturn that. I, I thought they were going to come back with a confirmed, and they came back with not only did they not confirm it, but then they changed the defensive hold to a pass interference, which 
if the ball's in the air, that is the correct call, right? Correct. You got it. So uh, they were curious. Uh, the, the announcers were curious about why they changed the call, but it was the correct call. And I guess on a review play, you can change the call when you when you see what's on the film. But that was uh, that was something. <laughs> I don't. It wasn't good, but it was something. And and I thought they they screwed Marvin out of an of, of an amazing catch uh, and a and a big play for Ohio State. So uh, he did not click. You had JT Tuimolo out as your defensive pick to click. And uh, JT made six tackles, but he came up clutch when he needed to, including tackle for loss. He broke up a pass, nearly had an interception. I'm going to give him a click just for the way he played on that last drive alone, uh, and and particularly in the second half. I, I don't think any anyone covered themselves in glory in the first half, except maybe Lathan Ransom. I thought Lathan Ransom had a really nice game. I, I would agree. Uh, I thought Lathan Ransom did have a, a really nice game. And as far as JT, I, I stand by what I said earlier that um, this was kind of a, a good barometer game for him in the sense that, okay, you were going up against, you know, Joel Alt, who's a projected high NFL draft choice at tackle. For the most part, Joel Alt neutralized JTT. Um, and wasn't until the the tail end that that uh, JT Tuimolowa really had a dramatic impact. Mm-hmm. And I, I I had Tommy Eichenberg, uh, we call him the free space, but he only had five tackles in this game and a quarterback hurry. Notre Dame, and part of this was how they used Tommy in this with dropping into that zone, and part of it was that Notre Dame and run on run plays, their offensive line was getting to the second level and and taking him out. So uh, kudos to Notre Dame's offensive game plan. And uh, I don't think that Tommy clicked. Okay, that's fine. I understand. I, if anything, the if if for Jim Knowles, I I can only hope that this game I mentioned earlier about the whole bend not break. Uh, and I know that you know you and I both agreed that in the second half, the the Ohio State defense was worn down by the Notre Dame offensive line. Mm-hmm. If anything that. Uh, Hopefully Jim Knowles has is going to see, all right, we need to do some things not only with our defensive line rotation, uh, you know, for Tyleek Williams, Mike Hall, but um, we need to have three linebackers for the upcoming opponents that are going to be predominantly run. So I don't know if that means, you know, Cody Simon, if that means possibly using Sonny Styles as kind of like a hybrid, mm-hmm. um, but you're, you can't you can't have just the, the, the two linebackers. Like you said, the Notre Dame offensive game plan for the most part, like they gave a, a very good blueprint to Ohio state future opponents. Yeah. I thought Sonny styles had a nice game. I thought he did. He flashed. Absolutely. He wasn't, he wasn't on the, I don't, I, I don't know what their snap counts were, but I, I don't think he played as much as some of those other guys. And he still finished with six tackles and he was, he was a factor. Yes. I agree with that. All right. Well, it's a win over Notre Dame, and that's good because I think uh, what the last Notre Dame win in the series was what nineteen thirty six, I believe. Yeah, during the uh, let's just say the um, what must have been the second or no, uh, must have been during the first FDR <laughs> administration. <laughs> um, I, I'm trying to think in terms of when he was elected. So yeah, during the Great Depression. Um, yeah. So in 1936, hard fought battle, both teams, uh, acquitted themselves well, and Notre Dame will not 
be penalized, I don't think, for losing this very harshly in the polls, and they will they will not see their um, quest for a playoff spot uh, unraveled by this this uh, loss. Uh, but um, I think there are some questions uh, that we we still need to get answered from this Ohio State team, and hopefully they'll they'll have that time to do that now with the, an off week. So we have no game to preview this week, uh, Chip, but we can look at the other Big Ten results. Absolutely. Yeah, and I think Notre Dame, um, th- there's going to be a, some legitimate second guessing, but when I glanced at their remaining schedule, I know they've got they've got a you know tough game against Duke. Um, they still have to play USC and Clemson, but I really do think, I think Notre Dame, th- if they run the table, keep in mind, they don't have a conference game that they have a conference championship game that they have to win. So they wind up winning all their games. And with the exception of this one, I think that they are a legitimate college football playoff contender. Yeah. And I think Clemson helped themselves by playing a very good game against uh, Florida state and taking that uh, to overtime. So uh, Clemson uh, is two and two, but I think that their, their reputation will be uh, intact after a really tough hard-fought game at home against florida state which was it was an entertaining game i i enjoyed that one on saturday i Um, do too let's take a look at the big 10 though chip michigan struggled with rutgers for a half but then pulled away in the second half and won 31 to 7 not a big surprise we expected something similar to this you expected rutgers to maybe give them some trouble uh for a while and that's exactly what happened yeah, I mean the that for it to be fourteen seven at the half, I, that kind of just spoke to all right. Yeah, you know Rutgers has improved. I'm not surprised that Michigan pulled away uh, in the second half. Um, you know, I was I, that was one of the games I was kind of flipping back and forth. You you just mentioned like Clemson. Um, you know, at one point Rutgers was driving and then they turned the ball over and Michigan returned it for a touchdown and mm-hmm. it was pretty much all 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 she wrote there. But yeah, I think Rutgers. We 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 talk about it. Um, you know, Rutgers right now is three and one, and you know, again, like they've got some remaining games within the within the Big Ten East, uh, as well as I think that they're going to be playing you know Wagner this coming weekend, so like a non conference game. So it, whatever they can do to get to that magic six number is is probably the goal for for Greg Schiano. Yeah, I'm starting to think too that you were. You were right in our Big Ten East predictions, because, uh, we'll, but we'll get to that. Uh, Penn State throttles Iowa 31-0, and I thought that was surprising to me. I thought this was going to be a close, hard-fought game. I wasn't impressed with what Drew Aller had done, done the week before, um, but Iowa didn't show. I mean, they just didn't show at all, and they, uh, they, get, they get waxed. Even their defense didn't score in this game. Right. That that's embarrassing for Iowa. I mean, we, we talk about how poor Iowa is offensively. I did expect Iowa to be better than they were defensively. It certainly is going to be one of these things where Kirk Ferentz should be hearing about, okay, the, the necessity to make a move at offensive coordinator, which means Ryan, you know, our uh, family dinners aren't going to be as pleasant, but you can't be the offensive coordinator anymore. <laughs> I mean, it, it depends. Is the Iowa um, athletic director, is the Iowa president, do they, are, are they afraid of Kirk Ferentz or does he have too much power there? Are they willing to to give him an ultimatum? Because so far, that's the only reason he hasn't made a change is because they nobody's, nobody's stood up to him and, and made him make that change. 
Yeah. Well, and I think the Iowa offensive, excuse me, the Iowa athletic director is an interim position. So yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting to see how they handle it. Chip, the fighting Illini struggled against Florida Atlantic. They win at 23, 17. I, I, I was a little surprised by that score, but Illinois does get the win. Yeah, they, they, they moved to two and two. Uh, Luke Altmeyer had a better game uh, than he did last week against Penn State, but that's not really saying much. The fact yeah, right. That, you know, <laughs> against, you know, Florida Atlantic, like you said, that, you know, you would have figured that they would have, they would have, have been much more uh, successful. But yeah, it might be, it might be a, a challenging year for, for Illinois this, this season. Uh, Maryland beats Michigan State 31-9. No surprise there. The Spartans are absolutely reeling. Yes, reeling is a, is a good adjective. Um, Mel Tucker is going to be fired. I mean, it's not official yet, but it, that that's all. I mean, it's basically all, all she wrote. Um, that should be happening um, not this week, but the following in terms of like the investigation results being announced. But Michigan State has already signaled they're moving on. So yeah, Michigan State, I, I think, try and make the the best of a very difficult situation. Big surprise, Maryland is yeah. off to a, a great start. Now it's can they continue? Yeah. So uh, Maryland looks to be stepping forward, but again uh, against Sparty, maybe uh, we can't really take a lot about that uh, a lot out of that game. Nebraska chip played against Louisiana Tech and. It was a win, but not a convincing one as the Cornhuskers uh, get a 28-14 victory. Right. I mean, uh, Nebraska, they actually kind of embraced their heritage with, you know, using the the, the running game. Um, I think that they might have determined who their quarterback is, which is a step in the right direction. Like you said, Louisiana Tech is not necessarily... Uh, you know, one of the top opponents, but for them, for Nebraska to get to two and two is they get ready for big 10 play. I think that's a step in the right direction. Yeah. All right, Chip, Indiana really struggled with Akron. Uh, this game went four overtimes before the Hoosiers finally nipped the zips 29, 27. Yeah, that was actually going on. I think even, um, after the Ohio state Notre Dame game, like it I was. think it's included. <laughs> so, you know, between, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Like Akron, uh, is one of those one of those programs where yeah in the you would think that Indiana wouldn't have had any problem with Akron but the fact that that it went into overtime um I think should give an idea in terms of caliber of team Indiana has for this season yeah I I'm feeling that uh Rutgers is probably going to win at Indiana and that will that will definitely uh, not jibe with my uh, predictions, but it will jibe with yours. Well, again, you know, it, it's it's based on just kind of you know a, a subjective, you know, belief, you know, in terms of what you see from the coaching staff and, mm -hmm. and what you know, you know, like the the players on hand. Just makes me even angrier that the Indiana Ohio State game was cl as close as it was. Well, I wouldn't. <laughs> you see, to me, like I, I never looked at it as as so much as close as much as Ohio State really didn't know what they had with mm -hmm. you know with Kyle McCord, you know, and you know they were trying to figure out what they what they wanted to do offensively, and then Indiana came out running the option, which kind of Ohio State certainly had not anticipated. So yeah, I mean, like that first game, 
I don't want to say jitters, but just first game, you know, that that's why I, I equated it to almost like NFL preseason where you're going to have a lot of mistakes and it's not going to be the crispest of, of outcomes, but Ohio state, they, they did what they needed to do and they won. Sticking with the overtimes chip. We, uh, we talked about the big 10 West last year a lot. How does anybody want to win this division? Minnesota raced out to a three touchdown lead against Northwestern and then lost the game in overtime 37, 34. That has to be just absolutely galling to any fans of Minnesota because, I mean, to be up 31-10 and then blow that game in overtime to lose 37-34 uh, to Northwestern. And give I, I want to give credit to Northwestern. I mean, I, I've been predicting that they they might not be able to, to win uh, any games. The fact that they, that they defeated Minnesota, now both teams are 2-2. Two and two. Give them a lot of credit. Yeah, I mean Minnesota, one of the one of the favorites in the West, and uh, you can't be losing games to Northwestern when you have them, you have them down so far. Uh, it was that was that was a shocker to me, and uh, there is nobody rowing the boat right now. No, I mean they they definitely have to. <laughs> they've got to figure some stuff out because I, I know they've got a non conference game against Louisiana up uh, upcoming for Minnesota, but. Like you said, you know, one of the favorites for the Big Ten West, they haven't played against the presumed favorites Mm-mm. for the Big Ten West yet. So if you're if you're having issues with Northwestern, might be might be a challenging year. All right. And finally, uh, I think this was the Friday night game. The fighting fickles of Wisconsin uh win 38-17 over Purdue. Yeah, Wisconsin, I think that they're starting to realize, yeah, this transition to wide open passing game it's not going to be as easy as we thought and i think that they're kind of getting back to what they know how to do well which is run the ball yeah and um purdue it looks like it's shaping up to be a tough year in west lafayette yeah uh you know with i mean they they lost uh, their their head coach and and their quarterback and and i think that they're they're trying to do what they they've done in the past, but it's a transitional year. So yeah, Purdue might, might have to just play the role of a spoiler this year. Yeah. All right, Chip, uh, anything else uh, that you want to talk about here on the big 10 results? No, uh, if anything, you know, looking forward to watching some of these games this coming week, just simply because Ohio state's off, you know, and hopefully recuperating and getting better and, you know, seeing how other teams in the big 10 perform. Uh, this upcoming week. Yep. All right. Well, that'll do it. We have no uh, game to preview. Uh, We will be back next week to preview the Maryland game. Maybe we'll see if we can get a a guest for that. And, um, you know, this will be a challenge. It's at home for Ohio State, which is the good thing. But, you know, Maryland looks to have a a pretty solid football team. So um, getting that win over Notre Dame, it's going to be imperative for the Buckeyes to go and look at that game film, break it down, find out where they need to make improvements and um and get better in their weaker areas they've got two weeks to get ready for the terps yep and we should be finding out tomorrow excuse me on uh i shouldn't say tomorrow um we should be finding out in the near future how is that about when the kickoff will be uh simply because this is one of those uh one of those few games where ohio state that the kickoff has not yet been announced 
Yeah, it's crazy to to think that's the next game and we don't know what time it starts. <laughs> uh I I'll take I'll take the I'll take the the 10 day window versus the the 5 day window which we usually start to encounter in November. At least, you know, like you have a couple weeks versus, you know, only like a few days. Yeah, we're sitting on five straight TBAs. Yeah, well, more than likely, more than likely, I will be immensely surprised if Ohio State, Penn State is not a noon kickoff. Yeah. They haven't announced it yet, but right. that would be a big surprise. Yeah, it would be, especially since both teams are still unbeaten. All right, Chip, uh, that's going to do it for this episode of the Silver Bullets podcast. Remind everyone where they can find you and your work. They can find me on Twitter at the moment. I'm not going to be paying for it. I'm going to tell you right now. They try mm-hmm. and start charging me for that. And I'll find a new platform, but I can be found on Twitter at Chipmanic. Last name is spelled M I N N I C H. Look for an article uh, on Land Grant Holy Land. Uh, usually three things to watch. So, considering Ohio State's not playing, it'll probably be about like three things to watch from the Big Ten this week. Um, I had an article about my thoughts about the Ohio State Notre Dame victory, um, but that's where you can find me. All right. Uh, you can also find me on twitter as well at mike 36 fan uh you can also follow the silver bullets podcast on uh on twitter as well at silver bullets pod but there's no e in silver s-i-l-v-r bullets pod uh you can uh you can find my work as well on land grant holy land every monday grumpy old buckeye we talk about the things that made me shake my fist at clouds uh during the game uh all in good fun and uh, of course, this week, my uh, my grumpy old Buckeye piece on Notre Dame. I won't be able to do one next week because it's a bye week, but uh, I'll have to find a, a feature article to write. And when uh, when the season's not going on or when there's a bye week, that, of course, is is what we do. We uh, we find something else to write about. So you can find my work at Land Grant Holy Land. We appreciate you. you reading our stuff there. Uh, check out all the other podcasts from the Land Grant Podcast Network. A lot of good shows. And um you know, that's, uh, that's it. You can also email uh, us at silverbulletspod at gmail.com, but you, you do spell silver the normal way for that at uh, silverbulletspod at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Let us know how we're doing, what we could be doing better, ask questions, uh, or just uh, let us know uh, where you're listening from. We would, we would love to hear from you. And that's going to do it for this edition of the Silver Bullets podcast. Chip. The only thing we have left to do is what we do at the end, and that is to say, go Bucks. Go Bucks.